Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons. Please join me in welcoming and thanking new patrons. Shane Todd, Savannah Green, Bad Underscore, Cole McKee, Kayla Eastwood, Sol, Denise, Jesse Hartley, Liani Ramos, Brandy R. Haynes, Pagan Angel, Scare Me Hard Zaddy, Cat Free Dahmer, Slap My Ass and Call Me Poppy, and Shockadelica. Our patrons mean everything to us, and we do all we can to give back for their generosity. Rewards start with early commercial free access to all episodes and go up from there to include bonus episodes, immediate access to 500 patron exclusive episodes, coffee mugs, t shirts, and more. And if you sign up for the yearly membership, you get 12 months for the price of 11 as a special thanks. If you'd like to see how you can support the podcast and get rewarded for doing so, please check out our reward tiers at patreon.com slash creepypod. Our continued and focused celebration of black and female creators throughout the month of February concludes. Now. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents Making Friends is Hard Written by the Nerdy Girl Next Door Narrated by Michelle Kane, Danielle Hewitt, Meg McDuffie, and Molly Langford And produced by Steve Blizzon. Growing up, I was shy. It wasn't that I didn't want to be included in activities with my peers. I just wasn't very good at speaking up and asking to be included. As I reached the later part of my teenage years, I began to look at myself and really think hard on what I wanted to do with my life and what kind of person I wanted to be. It was in those moments that I came to a realization. I wasn't happy. Now, I wasn't miserable and I didn't hate myself or anything like that, but I wasn't excited and inspired by the life I was living. I wanted more for myself. It was then that I made a choice to change the way I was living my life. My parents had always sheltered me, which added to my troubles when finding friends. So I decided I would force myself to speak up more and talk to people I went to school with. 
I only had so much time in high school, and I wanted to make sure my final days were something I could look back on positively. I thought about my parents and how my dad was protective and strong, while my mom was smart and caring. These were qualities I wished to have myself, so I took it upon myself to work towards taking their best qualities. A new routine of going running every morning, focusing on myself, and reconnecting with my friends. I focused more on my hobbies. I wrote more, danced more, and laughed more with everyone around me. And as the end of high school was in sight, I began to look to the future. I began debating what I wanted to do with myself. Was the military for me? Going out and getting a job? University? I decided, at least for now, to focus on university, but leaned heavily towards joining the Navy. Something about getting to see the world and have a grand adventure seemed almost romantic. Before I knew it, my parents were dropping me off at student housing. As I laid in bed the first night, I thought to myself that this was the start of the beginning of the rest of my life. I was so excited I could hardly sleep. Unfortunately, this feeling would fade by the end of my first week. My first week at university didn't end up going as I had envisioned it would go. The fantasy of having an amazing university experience was slowly disappearing and was being replaced by stress and anxiety of spending the next four years here. The campus was so large, I kept getting lost. I had been late to multiple classes. I was already becoming overwhelmed with the amount of work they were loading onto us. I hadn't connected with a single person on campus yet. And the idea of just walking up to a random person and talking seemed embarrassing. Not to mention how loud the student housing was. Between the noise coming from the surrounding apartments and the lonely feeling of being homesick, I hadn't slept much since I had arrived. I began having vivid nightmares of stories my mother told me as a child which was something I had not experienced in years. So when I woke up Friday in a cold sweat, I was glad my first week was almost over. I kept telling myself that the first week was the hardest and I was just a little homesick. I had never been this far from home before or my parents. And while they were proud of me, I knew they were scared of something happening to me while I was so far away. Knowing they felt this way caused me to fear for my own safety. I kept trying to push that feeling away, though. The sun had just begun to rise as I climbed out of bed. I grabbed my phone to turn off the alarm, as I didn't need it since I was already awake. Since I had woken up so early, I had enough extra time to run to the student center to grab breakfast and even time to go for a quick run to clear my head before I needed to head to my first class of the day, world history. I found myself zoning out as I stared at the whiteboard, and by the time I left psychology, which was my last class for the day, I felt fried. 
As I headed back to my apartment, I stared up at the clouds. I wish I could fly away from here. The freedom of the clouds seemed to call to me. I felt an itch deep inside my soul. My lack of awareness of my surroundings caused me to not notice that there was a group of girls handing out flyers. At least not until I ran straight into one of them. Watch where you're going. The girl sneered at me. Her face was a mixture of annoyance and disgust. I'm sorry, I said quickly. I was just- I don't care. Just watch where you're going. Sam, don't be so mean. Another girl walked over to where we stood. I'm sorry for my friend. She can be a little rough around the edges sometimes. Name's Becca, and my rude friend's name is Sam. Our sorority, Alpha Theta Zeta, is hosting a party tonight. You should come. Becca handed me a flyer. I was thrown off by Sam's rudeness and the whole encounter in general that all I could manage to reply back was a meek, Thanks. It sounds like fun. Well, we should be going. We got a lot more people to invite. I hope to see you later. Becca said as she dragged her friend away with her. They began to whisper to each other while looking back at me, but I shrugged it off. As they disappeared into the student center, I turned to start heading back to my apartment across campus. The walk home was nice, and I even stopped to study for a bit, on a bench under the shade of a tree, until the sun started to set and it became too dark to read. Now that summer was coming to an end and fall was approaching, the night air was becoming cooler and it was perfect weather. I wanted to enjoy it while I could. When I finally arrived home, a wave of relief washed over me. The week was over, and I would have all weekend to relax and study. I threw my backpack next to the door as I walked into my apartment and tossed my jacket on top of it. Exhausted, I plopped down on the couch. As I leaned forward to grab the remote to turn on Netflix, I spotted the flyer that I had thrown on the living room table earlier when I had stopped at my apartment between classes. I could tell the flyer was hastily thrown together. The flyer was cluttered with random pictures, and in the middle of the flyer there was text that read, You have been invited to join Alpha Theta Zeta. Party starts at midnight at Alpha Theta Zeta House. In the bottom corner of the flyer, there was a map to Alpha Theta Zeta House. I started to toss it back down on the living room table, but stopped. Instead, I got up and walked over to where my jacket was. I reached inside the jacket's pocket and pulled out my phone. 9.23. It was a Friday night, and I didn't have an excuse to not go. The party was probably going to be lame, but... I promised myself I would make friends and enjoy university. Hopefully I could make some friends to help ease feeling so homesick. Maybe there would even be a cute guy there to mingle with. My face felt warm as the thought crossed my mind. It was decided. I quickly made something to eat, showered, and readied myself. When I was done, it was 11.37 p.m., I cursed as I quickly grabbed my keys and hurried out of my apartment. Luckily, Alpha Theta Zeta House wasn't too far away, and I made it there right after midnight. The house was already filled with bodies. The amount of drunk frat guys made me feel uneasy, but 
I push the feeling down as the music pulsed through my ears as I walked through the front door. Immediately, I was handed a red Solo cup with some unknown liquid. I smiled and accepted it, but made a mental note to toss it as soon as I could. A mass of half-naked, sweaty bodies moved to the music. I slid the cup onto a side table and weaved my way in between the bodies. I let the music fill me, and I began swaying to the music. All the stress I had been feeling began to melt away. As the mass of bodies began to hop around, I followed. The feeling of a hand grabbed my waist caught my attention, but not quick enough for me to stop its owner from pulling me to him. The smell of alcohol filled my nose as a face tried to press against mine. I put a hand up to block myself from being sloppily kissed by this frat bro. I tried to get away in vain. Panic clawed at my throat as his hand grabbed my wrist and began to crush it in his grip. Unsure of what to do, I started to try and push him off and claw at his hand. I didn't want to hurt him or cause a scene, but as his grip stayed firm, I became more aggressive in my response, and I worried I was going to have to hurt him to get him off. The music was so loud that no one noticed what was happening, or so I thought. Without warning, the guy's grip released, and his face seemed to twist in pain. Confusion hit me as a mess of hair blocked my vision suddenly, and I felt a hand wrap around my waist again. Within seconds, I was pulled out of the mass of bodies, through the house, and out the back of the house. The cold night air hit me as the sound of music faded. Then, as quickly as I was grabbed, I was released. I turned to face the person who saved me. It was a young woman who seemed similar in age, maybe a little older. Her skin was pale as the moon and her pixie-cut hair as dark as the night, besides the two strips of purple hair that framed her face. She wore dark blue jeans with a rainbow belt and a baggy black crop top. Are you okay? Don't worry. That guy won't be able to put his hands on you or any other girl anytime soon with a broken hand. She smirked as she spoke. She seemed so carefree and warm. But the dark undertone of what she said worried me. I couldn't tell if she was joking or not. You aren't serious, are you? I blurted out. I am. Ella's the name, by the way. She said nonchalantly, stretching out her arm, ignoring the look on my face. You really should be careful around here. People aren't always what they seem. Honestly, you seem too innocent to be here. May, I replied. I smiled awkwardly at her comments. She was probably just trying to scare me or play a trick. No way she was serious. I brushed her comments off and extended my arm to shake her hand. Without warning, she yanked my hand, causing me to fall into her. I felt her other arm slide behind me, keeping me pushed against her. Her voice was low as she spoke. I mean it. These people are not your friends. If I wasn't here looking for someone, this is the last place I would be by myself. Take my advice and run away while you can. It's dangerous. Hey, girl! A loud voice called to me, causing Ella to release me and step back. I turned to see Becca, waving to me. Oh, hi! I said, still shaken from Ella's warning. Becca turned to glare at Ella, 
I didn't know anyone had invited one of the teacher's aides. Sorry to be the one to tell you this, but this is a student-only party for recruiting this year's new blood. Emphasizing on the words, student-only. May, let's go get you something to drink. You are out here missing all the fun, girl. The warmth in Ella's eyes disappeared as she looked at Becca. For a moment, it seemed they were exchanging evil glares at each other and having some sort of standoff. I opened my mouth to say something, but before I could, Becca had turned me and guided me back inside. Becca handed me a drink as we walked past the kitchen. Not wanting to be rude, I drank it and gave her the warmest smile I could muster. Becca took the empty cup from me and pulled me back into the mass of bodies. We danced and danced. As time passed, all the colors around me seemed to become brighter and the world seemed to be melting around me. In awe, I watched as bright lime green caterpillars began to climb on the walls. One by one, they began to pulsate different colors and morph into butterflies. I watched as one floated through the air in slow motion past the writhing mass of bodies that seemed to blur together. Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For a moment, I swore I saw the purple and black hair of Ella in the crowd. But as I tried to focus on it, a voice stole my attention. It's time. I recognized the voice, but I couldn't place it. The hypnotic music changed to something more demonic. The faces became obscured by demonic masks. The vibrant colors around me morphed into darker, deep reds and blacks as the people around me donned robes. I raised my hands to my face to try and block out the images. Instantly, I realized there must have been something in the drink and I had to have been hallucinating. Unexpectedly, I felt hands grab my arms, pulling my hands from my face. Standing before me, the people were split on either side and the middle of the room parted to reveal a female figure brandishing an ornate silver dagger. My mind attempted to sober up, but I couldn't think straight, even faced with this threat. 
was almost as if everything was happening in slow motion. I tried to struggle, but the more I struggled, the more their grip on me tightened. They dragged me into the middle of the room. I heard yelling as other individuals were dragged as well. In total, there were six, including myself. We were all pushed to our knees and held in place. The woman spoke again, and this time I recognized who she was. It was Becca. Oh, Dark Lord, we, your humble servants, beseech thee. The girl next to me began to sob as Becca handed off the dagger to another female. Becca's voice seemed to get louder as she spoke. We humbly offer you these wretched souls. I watched in horror as she walked behind the victim closest to her and placed the blade against their neck. Then with one quick movement, she sliced the person's neck open. Crimson flowed down their neck. A chorus of screams and crying erupted from the other four victims next to me. I opened my mouth to scream as well, but nothing came out. The sound was caught in my throat. I watched as the others thrashed about trying to escape. One by one, the female walked down the line, slicing each one's throat open until I was the last one left. I looked over. Some were choking, while others had grown empty. I felt numb as the cold blade pressed against my skin. Silently, I told my mom and dad that I loved them and prepared for what was about to happen. The girl leaned over and whispered in my ear, I'm glad Becca invited you so I can have the pleasure of punishing you for not respecting your betters and watching where you were going. As she leaned in, I felt the dagger press harder on my skin and the sensation of something warm and wet began to trail down my chest. Shouting erupted from the back of the room. My fight or flight kicked in and I leaned my head forward and with all my might, I threw my head backwards, hitting Sam right in the face. The mask was unable to protect her and I heard a sickening crunch and felt her drop the dagger. Pain erupted from where our heads had collided. My adrenaline was too high to care. This bitch broke my nose! Sam screamed. In the chaos, the two men who were holding me became distracted, and I was able to break free from one of them and turn and kick the other as hard as I could between the legs. The second one released his grip as well. This would have been my chance to run, but I stopped cold in my tracks as I saw a group of people storm in. They were all wearing tactical gear and had guns out, pointed at anyone trying to escape. I know what you're thinking. It was the police. I would have thought so too if it wasn't for a small white talisman-like design on the upper arm of their uniforms. My mind flashed to all the stories my mom told me as a child to scare me in order to behave. How naughty children were torn away from their parents. How I needed to behave. I wasn't allowed to be myself. I had to be normal. Always normal, or they would come get me. I had to be careful when I ventured out. I could never wear clothes that exposed a lot of my skin. I could never hurt anyone, and if I did, even if it was an accident, we would have to run away. 
We moved around my home country a lot growing up. Honestly, I, I thought it was all stories to explain why we were moving around for my dad's work, while also making me too scared to be naughty or keep me from getting hurt. I never thought they could be real, but as I stared at the armed men and women with the same symbol on their uniforms as the front of the books my mom read to me, I knew better. Quickly, I got on my knees and put my hands above my head to show I wasn't going to cause trouble. The shouting was only growing louder and armed forces commanded everyone to get down. Get down! It was only a moment or two before the first bullet was shot. And it turned into chaos. I felt myself shake as a primal fear hit me. I was more frightened of the forces than of being sacrificed, which is saying a lot. Breaking free from the chaos, Becca ran to me. With a fistful of my hair, she dragged me across the room as I fought back. The ritual must be finished. I must please my father. She sounded unhinged as she spoke. When she got me into the next room, she threw me with such inhuman force, I slammed shoulder first into the wall. When I turned to look at her, Becca wasn't Becca. Her skin had become ashen and was pulled tight against her bones. Gone was any body fat. Her hair fell out in clumps and was replaced by hair that looked like black wires. She looked like a walking corpse, and as she removed her mask, I saw her mouth was full of rows of sharp teeth. Father will be pleased with me if I bring at least one back with me. <laughs> Becca paced the room, searching for something. Her movements were awkward and jerky. She mumbled to herself as she searched the surrounding shelves. Ah, oh, there you are. This is why we always have a spare. She reached high upon a shelf to retrieve something. This was my chance, while her back was to me. My hands searched for anything to fight back with. A fire poker was only a few feet away from me. Quickly, I dove for it and tried to get my feet under me before she had time to react. I knew I could fight her, but I was also scared of what was outside the door. I needed to control myself to escape or buy myself some time. A loud bang came from the door, taking our attention away from each other. I kept telling myself it was okay. They weren't here for me. I just needed to keep her at bay until I could trick them to help me or escape. A second bang. The door must have been locked. A third bang and the door splintered. A fourth and final blow caused the door to fly open, slamming into the wall. A flash of black rushed into the room. In an instant, Ella was standing in the doorway. She looked from the demon to me and pulled out a weapon, taking aim at the demon-like creature. Well, you weren't the monster I was looking for, but I am not one to run away from a fight. Without warning, the demon lunged for me. And out of pure reaction, I swung the fire poker as hard as I could, connecting with the demon's skull, creating a sickening crack. Blood splattered all over the room. I quickly turned to look away as my face became hot. I 
didn't want to see what I had done, and I didn't want to meet Ella's eyes. We stood there for a moment or so. I knew the demon was dead, just from the sound her skull had made. As the warmth faded from my face, I turned to look at Ella. Her head was cocked slightly to the side, as if she was thinking, but she hadn't lowered her weapon. For a moment, the air between us became thick. Then suddenly, she began laughing as she holstered her weapon. Wow. Nice arm you got there. I just stared at her in disbelief. This person I was so terrified of was laughing and and making jokes. Maybe she really did believe I was innocent. I tried and failed to force a smile. Well, let's get you out of here then. Cleanup crew will be showing up soon and they get huffy if anyone's in their way. Motioning for me to follow her. Cautiously, I walked behind her, her arm wrapped around me, guiding me past the bodies on the ground of the non-compliant students in the living room. Outside into the yard, past the students handcuffed sitting on the ground. We were almost to the front gate when a man stepped between us. Ella? Oh, Eric. Do you really want to force the only living victim to stay here while we take care of the cleanup? Victim? Are you sure? We didn't find what we came for. There was word there was a... Ella cut him off. Her hand lifted my back. She reached up to brush his hair out of his face. Don't you trust my judgment? It almost felt like there was a personal connection between them as she tucked his hair behind his ears. She leaned in close, almost brushing her lips to his ear as she spoke in such a hushed whisper. I couldn't make out what she was saying. Eric sighed loudly and stepped aside. I really hope you know what you're doing. I can't always protect you. Ella smiled like a child who had gotten their way and grabbed my wrist to lead me down the street, ignoring all the stares at her attire, all the way to my apartment. She followed me to my door and asked if I was okay. With a smile, she told me she had work to do, but we would be seeing each other soon, really soon. Then she turned and raced down the stairs and out of view. Shaking, I opened my door and collapsed. I was safe. I undressed and put on the softest and comfiest pajamas I owned. I frowned at the top I had been wearing. It was covered with blue stains. I sighed as I threw it in the trash. It was one of my favorite tops, but we all know how hard it is to get blood out. I examined the wound on my neck that had healed quite nicely. I would need to remember to wear a band-aid on it in case I ran into that girl again. At least until it should have healed. As I thought about Ella finding out who I am, my eyes started to shine a bright emerald green as a lump formed in my throat. I turned away and headed out of the bathroom and towards my bedroom. I paused for a moment to think about eating something, but I was just so tired. My appetite didn't appear that night, and I just ended up crawling into bed, drifting in and out of sleep that was plagued by nightmares. At about 3 a.m., I was woken to knocking. Tiptoeing, I snuck out of my bedroom and to the front of the apartment where I had heard the noise. After what happened, if there was someone out there, 
I didn't want them to know I was home. I tried to look out of the peephole, but saw nothing. I listened for any other noise, but was greeted by silence. After giving myself a hell of a pep talk, I opened the door to be greeted by no one. I looked out into the hallway and there wasn't a soul. As I turned to step back inside, I stepped on something. I looked down to see a a small black envelope. Looking around one more time that there was no one around, I grabbed it and hurried back inside, making sure to lock the door behind me, making sure to double check it just in case. Once safely back in my bedroom, I turned on the lamp on my side table. Sitting on the edge of my bed, I examined the plain black envelope that gave no hints of what was inside. Reaching into the envelope, I took out a thick paper that was the size of a small postcard. Carefully, I examined the gold cursive handwriting that was imprinted onto the card. I traced a finger over the words, admiring how pretty and simple the invitation was. You're invited, was all it said on the front of the card, and on the back was a phone number. The card itself didn't bother me. What bothered me was the note that came with it. I know who you are. I also know what you are. I suggest you accept my invitation. Ella. I was afraid she saw my face when I killed Becca, that she saw my eyes. And after reading her note, I don't think I really have the choice to turn down her offer. If my secret gets out, I know I am a monster, but they aren't good guys either. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, please visit creepypod.com. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration or recommend a story, please see our submission page at creepypod.com slash submissions. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Home of Creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. SCP archives with full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from the LGBTQ perspective. The Boo Crew for horror-centric interviews. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com/podcasts. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. 
spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was at 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.